You're about to listen to the chatter with Houdini and Chuck presented by Awakenings Coffee. And as always, a note to our listeners, this is intended for a mature audience only. Yes, we have some takes that could probably help some of the bright young kids in America. However, this podcast wasn't made for children and therefore we don't want you anywhere near this recording. Why don't you grab yourself a ring pop and turn on Tarzan and get the hell out of here. A new dawn of the chatter is on the horizon with Houdini and Chuck. It's time to rock. It's time to roll. Here they are from sunny Phoenix, Arizona inside the friendly confines of Studio 7. Well, what do you say, everybody? Welcome into another edition of The Chatter. Alongside my partner in crime, Mr. Houdini, I am Chuck Constantini, and it's now my pleasure to introduce my buddy, my friend, my pal, the man that I had the pleasure of seeing recently but haven't talked to him over the airwaves in quite some time. Here he is, Houdini. Man, it feels good to be back. I'll say that. we got a lot of takes building up. Uh... Just, just glad to be back to the chatter, talking to the people. It truly is an honor to be back where we belong. And last time we talked was before the NFL season, actually before the preseason even began. And we were giving some of our thoughts about how the NFL season would go. Would it be the year Marvin Lewis would get past the first round of the playoffs? The answer is no. He's fired. In turn, Hugh Jackson fired by the Browns, hired by the Bengals, fired by the Bengals, all in like a four-week span. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been so much that's happened. I mean, I, I know there's probably so many people thought we were dead and gone, checking their phone, refreshing that uh, that iTunes, that Apple app, see if our podcast was uploaded. And I honestly feel terrible about it. So I'm just glad to be back. Hugh Jackson's been f- hired, no, yeah, fired, hired, and then fired again. Um, and he actually, which it kind of made me sick when they when they canned him, the Browns, because. If you look at it, he actually tripled his wins from a season ago. And, you know, and then they got rid of him after he literally tripled his wins in like half the season, which, I mean, how many jobs do you know of where you can triple your production and still get fired? If you told me in my sales job that I tripled my last year's sales total and then they canned me, I mean, shit, he would have probably went undefeated if you really look at it in about three years. And similar to that note, kind of like Hugh Jackson, LeBron somewhat got fired and then hired by the Lakers. Um, and he's now, he's gone from the best player on the planet to, you know, a wine alcoholic who's now possibly the worst player on planet Earth right now. And that, that's a big swing. I wouldn't have thought that was going to happen that quickly. Well, during the formation of this team, you saw this potentially happening down the road. I mean, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson. Michael Beasley, mm. uh, Coach Luke Walton, son of Bill Walton. You, you you potentially thought that down the road, this could get ugly, and here we are. I mean, I'm a LeBron stan. Like I, that's just a fact. I love LeBron, but he, well, he said he went over here. He's like, I'll 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 join the young guys, coach them up, you know, blah blah blah. And then literally like 30 games into the year, he literally just told Magic trade literally everybody on this team, everyone. He couldn't even do like a half a season before literally trying to blow the whole thing up. I mean, Luke Walton's got to be, if you're Luke Walton though, what do you even do? Like, do you, like, you can't really do anything. You just got to just be completely disrespected every day of your life. He's got to hope to be fired soon. The Golden State Warriors uninvited from the White House after their championship. However, the Clemson Tigers did go to see President Trump after they won 
the national title over Alabama. And when they got there, what a treat. A smorgasbord of delicious fast food Wendy's, Popeye's, Burger King, McDonald's, the whole shebang. And then President Trump followed it up last week, bringing in North Dakota State and serving the exact same meal, including this time the quality establishment Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I mean, he promised he promised a wall. I didn't know it was going to be made out of burgers, but I mean, I thought it was one of the funniest things that's probably happened in American history. You know, you realize some some dickheads in like in like 200 years are going to have a history book like this was the day that the president literally just served double cheeseburgers to the national championship team when typically what did they probably have like Jeff Ruby steaks type type dinners, five star, and they literally went to like the dollar menu. Serving our old McDonald's french fries can be a little dicey, especially to national champions that are supposed to be celebrated. But, I mean, the outrage that I saw on Twitter, you would have thought that he brought a big platter of Long John Silvers. I just wish I could have the passion that some of the people on the internet do over shit like that. Like, I've not cared about anything in my life as much as some people cared about the president serving 18-year-olds cheeseburgers. Like, I've never had that type of passion about anything. The internet never fails to disappoint. We're talking about the same internet that made a man in a red sweater that had a funny name that asked a semi-decent question at a political event. One of the most famous men in the world for about 48 hours, basically because his name was Ken Bone, and he looked like a guy that would be named Ken Bone. We have challenges that start seemingly every week, and at one point, they were positive in society, like the mannequin challenge that had people in unison getting a statue-like formation, act like gargoyles with Ray Shrumman's Black Beetles in the background. Then they got more detrimental as children started eating Tide Pods. And now we're to the point where parents are slapping their babies with American cheese. The Cheese Challenge, presented by Kraft. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I actually did that to our producer, uh, Teffer, in probably circa 2008. He was sleeping through a, a little smack of... Uh, craft single right on his head um so i mean i guess i did technically start this like seven years ago but um yeah it's an interesting i mean people just use their kids for all sorts of shit to get like social media famous i this one is pretty funny i mean the kid just gets smacked with craft cheese and then they they don't even move it like they don't take it off their face they just let it sit they're like because they don't know any better they're like this is just how life is like you that you could tell a kid like yeah you're, that's how everyone lives they just have a piece of craft cheese slapped to their forehead at all times and they believe it i mean they believe in santa claus i mean it's just disrespectful to your child and look mom and pops weren't perfect i remember a time they left us in the basement all five of us in the basement with grandma and grandpa and accidentally locked the upstairs door and it was too cold to go outside and do anything it was nine o'clock at night you know they were gone till about one o'clock in the morning and for five-year-olds stranded in the basement with no way out no car no nothing, no cell phones to reach out to society. It was absolutely petrifying down there. Four hours. Well, um, to Mr. and Mrs. Chuck, let's hope that uh, the statute of limitations on child neglect has has uh, come up so they, they won't be prosecuted for this. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a tough spot to be in, no doubt about it. Four hours when you're, when you're like eight, it might as well be 14 years. Really, I mean, it, it, it's insane. One of my first memories, about six years old, after I had already been locked in the basement, so I was a disturbed young child. I remember being at the Catholic Church, 
Christ the King Parish in Cincinnati, Ohio. And their bathrooms in the basement were like dungeons. For whatever reason, I don't know if visitation was the same way. Catholic church bathrooms, they were barbaric. Stone toilets, stone walls. Um, It was egg timer on the wall that turned on the lights. I don't know who has that in 1999, but for whatever reason, it was a good idea. Didn't have a strong hand at the time, just a young lad. Turned it to the right, not enough. About 90 seconds, Mm. went over to the can, and 90 seconds later, darkness flashed before me. Of course, I was just a wee tot, so my Aunt Mamie had to accompany down to the basement. She just heard an absolute, ah, and had to come in and found a startled, startled and as I said, disturbed young man. And I mean, this bathroom looked like where Harry Potter entered the chamber of secrets. I mean, it, it uh, envisioned that that's what I was in six, five seconds, 60 seconds in the dark when you're a kid. I mean, I remember, uh, getting like a timeout and I think my mom would literally put on like three minutes on like the old school, like oven timer. So you'd hear it like when it was done. And I literally at that point in time, instead of three minutes of timeout, I would have preferred the death penalty. That, that's how serious three minutes was when you're like under 10. It's insane. Wait, three minutes in the dark? What, what did your time out entail? Uh, just going to my room and then me just crying and probably pissing all over the floor because I just didn't know how to contain myself. Oh, for some reason, because of the segue we had, I thought she locked you in the dark. No, my mom wasn't, my mom wasn't a sociopath. Let's use our pivot foot here. Pivot back to the craft singles talk and to the cheese challenge. I mean, call me bougie. But there is absolutely no reason to have craft singles in your refrigerator. I actually just had a craft um, single in one of my omelets, and it was, trust me, I didn't make it. Um, the person who named it will not be named out of the incredible amount of hate mail they'll probably receive. But um, it was awful. Like, I, I hate craft singles. I don't know if that makes me an elitist because I am, but craft singles are are literal trash and the trash is where they belong but instead they're ending up on babies faces i mean it, they are good videos i'm a little bit concerned they're going to start doing this because um, they always take these a little bit too far they're going to start doing it with other food they're going to be throwing like a, a full 10 oints a, a 10 ounce sirloin steak at their baby it starts off as the cheese challenge then they start to get a little creative and they up it to the clementine challenge full orange challenge and then they're at the pineapple and the eggplant challenge by December of next year. Yeah, I mean, it's true. At one point, earning fame was earned. It took hard work, dedication, and most importantly, talent. Now you can just be some average-looking guy at a Target. Next thing you know, you're the hot Target guy. You can wear a red sweater to a political event, be named Ken Bone, and next thing you know, you're the biggest sensation on the internet for about a month. You could say, damn, Daniel, to a pair of white vans and be the biggest thing since Elvis Presley. Strange world we live in nowadays. The Chatter's new recording studio may be in sunny Phoenix, Arizona, but as always, it's brought to you by Awakenings Coffee, two great locations, Old Montgomery and Hyde Park Square. Houdini, going on half a year now, you've lived in the desert, Phoenix, Arizona. What do you think thus far? I mean, it's it's different out here, right? When the, you know, the big wigs up on uh, the management of the Chatter, when they said they wanted to expand and send me out west, I was a little bit uh, iffy on it, but... The weather is amazing. Um, the money out here is next level. I'll say that. Everyone is just rich as shit. The The old Nissan Sentra, let's just say, doesn't have the same bite as it uh, as it did in Cincinnati. I mean, people back in Cincy, they turn their heads 
when they saw a silver Nissan Sentra with optimal trunk space, you know, cruising down the boulevard, going about five miles per hour over the speed limit. Here, not so much. I'm talking like Ferraris, literally, like all over the place. I've never felt poor in my life. The weather there is also beautiful, and the nightlife out of control. Old Town Scottsdale, we made a visit over there, and it was like EDM Row. You turn a corner after a very casual walk where you see some restaurants and bars, breweries, nothing too sensational. You turn the corner, and all of a sudden, you're at like an outdoor rave. There's about 15 bars on this street that all have outdoor patios that look over the strip and are blaring music, all different kinds, country, karaoke, rap, dubstep, lights everywhere, enough to give a grown man after a few drinks a panic attack, but this place is like nothing I've ever seen. It's the closest thing I've seen to downtown Cancun that's in the United States. Yeah, it's a... it's. It's really like going to, if you want to just go to college for like five more years until you're like 30, um, that's the place to do it. I can only handle it, you know, once a week. You definitely can't do two two nights a week there. It's literally like club shit all over the place, which I don't love the club scene, but they do have the other the other stuff you can do. But I mean, they got like strobe lights, you know, fog everywhere. You basically get an STD just by breathing in the air. It's uh, it's quite It's quite the scene. Well, it's getting sad because looking around, I began to realize that I was just about the oldest person in that bar. In five more years, I go to that place, and all of a sudden, everyone assumes that I'm an undercover. And that's going to be a sad day when it arrives because at one point in my life, places like that were so much fun, but they're losing luster quick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting there. I don't really plan on being um, at like an EDM bar when I'm 30. I don't really want to be there now, but uh, I don't really plan on doing that. The, the good thing about Old Town specifically is um, it's not illegal to be drunk in public, which is very interesting, which I definitely think should be a federal law that the entire country should adapt. But it, So basically, you can literally be the drunkest man on planet Earth right in front of a cop, and they will not arrest you. That's absurd. And you were telling me they like shame people on the local news, right? Good morning. I'm Don Dawes. And the big story this morning at 6, a drunk man takes down 45 White Claws at Maya Nightclub and makes a fool of himself. Yeah, the, well, the catch-22 here is is you're allowed to be drunk in public, as drunk as you possibly want to be, but you can't piss in public, okay? And that kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. If you're that drunk in public, you are going to piss somewhere outside that's a fact so they'll arrest you for that and then they put you on the news and shame you in front of your entire family so that's kind of how it works so hopefully you don't uh hopefully no one's checked in on the local phoenix news anytime you know in the last three weekends in a row they had a guy that was uh cuffed on the sidewalk they just like showed him they're like well Joni, it looks like our man todd whatever had a little bit too much fun down here in old town am i right and she's like wow he really He's really drunk. Didn't he piss himself, Scott? He's like, he sure did. Back to you with the weather. Well, I've noticed since the last podcast, you decided to give up the fact that you could grow any bit of hair. And since you've gone straight Vin Diesel bald, you have that Bruce Willis look going for you. I think it suits you very well. But I got to ask, what's it like being a member of the bald community? Is it as Larry David depicts where you kind of see the other bald person in the room and instantly you have sort of a bond kind of like it is with uh, the jeep wave sometimes you just hate the other bald dude and then you kind of have a bald off you know who's balder type thing kind of a stare down like being the token bald guy at the party 
you can't really, I mean, once you get into like more than, you know, two or three bald dudes at one party, it gets weird. Cause it's like, what are we doing here? You know, what is this a hair transplant party? So you never want to go over a certain amount. Um, but it, it, in regards to bald people in general, so 2019, right? You, you gotta be more PC. You can't make fun of like, you know, you can't be sexist. You can't make fun of, you know, any like race joke, um, you know, homophobia, anything along those lines, you, you know, body image, you can't fat people, skinny people, but the one group of people that no one, I mean, even like the anti-bullying commercials, you know, like they, they don't say this, you're allowed to torch bald people. They're free game. Bald people are, you know, the, the lowest totem pole in society right now, just getting crammed on by everybody and, and no one's sticking up for him. I think somebody needs to be, Vin Diesel needs to step up. The Rock needs to step up. Somebody needs to do something because it's an epidemic. Well, I still have quite a bit of lettuce on top of my head, but what I'm worried about is my hairline is kind of going from the top first, where the, the crown of my head is thinning just a little one day at a time to where I can somewhat notice it. And that's the worst type of bald. You know, when you look like a fryer or you, you have a halo on your head, that's the type of bald that absolutely gives me nightmares thinking about that could be me someday. When you see someone from the front and they look fantastic, they have that David Hasselhoff full head of hair on them. And then as soon as they turn around, you see him from behind. Oh, my God, he's bald. It's like they saw Medusa on the back of your head. They see their reflection on your bald spot. And at that point, you have to go straight Vin Diesel. You have to shave it all off. I don't understand the people that, that sport that fryer look and think it's acceptable, but I'm afraid that's going to be me, and if, if that's the case, I'll have to go full Vin Diesel mode with you. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I could still do the thing where it just looks like I have like I have to mess with my hair, and it looks just like, why, why does that guy look like he's like, you almost look like you're sweaty or something, and it's just like thin everywhere. I probably could have done that for a couple years. You just got to chop it off, but with you, you still got a, you know, a thick mug on you. All you need to do is become Jewish wear a yarmulke, bam, it, the whole thing's done. You can wear that literally 24-7. Um, so if you're thinking about doing any you know, new religions, anything like that, I'd look into it at least. Well, the options out there are limitless when it comes to restoring your hair to a perfect thickness. And when in doubt, just hop on Instagram. I mean, they have ads everywhere. No way that those things uh, contain any bit of false advertising. We got the Rogaines of the world, the, the hems. We got the stuff that you, you spray on your head, and it's like fake hair, essentially spray paint that some people put on the crown of their heads. But if you want some real hair, I mean, just hit up Brian Erlacher. According to those billboards on Chicago's highways everywhere, uh, he's made it pretty well known that he has plenty of hair now. So reach out to him. Right. I mean, the way I look at it, with all that type of shit that you can buy or, you know, those pills or whatever, the hymns, if there's legitimate famous movie stars, John Travolta literally has been caught wearing wigs left and right. If John Travolta can't keep his, his goddamn hair, how the hell is Chuck Constantini or who Donis going to keep their hair? It just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I don't see, I think those are all fake news. Catching you up on other things since our last podcast, I became the best and worst gambler all in a span of three months. Uh, it's a volatile game, they say, but started out with $0, as you always do when you open a new account. Got up to $10,000 just winning week after winning week after winning week, and then about 10 bad beats later, I was down to nothing. Nothing worse than a bad beat keeps you up all night. You think about it for about two weeks 
uh, there's nothing worse in life. I mean, can you believe that a college basketball aficionado like myself uh, went up that big and then saw it all come crashing down that fast? I legit thought I had beaten the system, was like 25 and two during a two-week span, was getting ready to quit my job and just, you know, be a lifeguard in the summer and do that full-time. No, not not even in the slightest. I, I mean, I knew you were going for downfall. Gambling, it always evens itself out because, I mean, the, the bookies know you're not just going to go up big and never gamble again. So they know it's going to come back. The worst, the best thing you could do, the worst thing you could do for your bookie, though, is pulling out that 10 Gs and just saying, see you, going on a nice vacation. But gambling is... It, it's probably the best and worst thing that's ever happened in, in the history of mankind. And the thing is, I can handle a loss. If I just made a bad pick, lost by 16 points, you know, when I took a team to win by three, then whatever. It is what it is. But what I can't handle are these bad beats that happen seemingly every single night. Your team's up 16 with three minutes left. You're giving the other team eight points. And all of a sudden, the other team finishes out the game on a 9-0 run, knock down a three at the buzzer, and somehow the other team covers when everyone that took that other pick thought they were dead in the water. But it never goes the other way. It always happens to me. It happens to every single person I talk to. I want to meet the guy out there that's always on the blessed end of these good beats, so to say. Someone that has their team down 17 points with three minutes left and they have to come within five, and then they go on this 13-0 run to finish off. It's always the opposite. You always think you're good, you're getting ready to cash the check, and then next thing you know, a team forgets how to play basketball for five minutes. It's it's brutal. No, it's it's insane. Like, it literally, like, you're multiple times a night, those bad beats will happen where it comes down to literally the last second, they hit a bullshit. I mean, the ref, those, whatever, I forget what game that was, Iowa State. I have nightmares about that. I mean, the, the problem is with gambling, and my dad, you know, he taught me this at a very young age. Every minute you're not gambling, you're losing money. You know? So, I mean, it's tough not to be out there, you know, playing the board every night. It's so tough. I like to think of it as the after-hours stock market. You're throwing high wagers on these 18-year-old kids and expecting them to come through for you. And it's really the only place where you could start off with nothing and just build like a $10,000 purse on straight winners. But at the same time, you can go into some serious debt, and that's where it gets a little scary. You know, you have a big losing streak. You hammer some NBA live lines. Next thing you know, you're down $2,000. You let it ride on Kansas, and the Jayhawks once again don't come through. God, Kansas sucks. It's it's truly incredible, though, when you go on one of those massive losing streaks and you're, you've lost like 12 straight, and you just know for a fact that 13th one is also going to be a loss no matter – and it doesn't even make sense because sometimes I won't even know shit about the team. So, like, Vegas isn't beating me. I'm just picking a random one. I'm not trying to, like, outsmart them. I need to meet the people in Vegas making these lines. I mean, the, whoever these people are, they have the cure for cancer. They have the cure for – well, I guess they already gave the HIV cure to magic, so they know that. But these people have to be the smartest humans out there like they literally have to be it's it's insanity insanity it is and speaking of insanity uh we switch over from gambling to talks about the catholic church i think it's a little insane that it's the year 2019 and people still are absolutely against pepperoni on a friday and instead opt for a fish fillet from McDonald's because they think that's the path to heaven. Look, I'm Catholic. I obey most of the Catholic Church's rules, but this one just seems a little ridiculous to me. 
I will not buy into the fish propaganda here. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that if I eat a pepperoni pizza instead of cheese pizza on a Friday. And look, I'm a, I'm a good Catholic. I say the entire rosary, go down every single bead once a year. Uh, I, I think that gives me the right to eat a steak hoagie on a Friday. Wow. Well, good luck in hell, buddy, because that's where you'll be uh, living for eternity. If you eat even a if you eat a steak hoagie on a Friday during Lent, see ya. See ya. Hell, I saw a couple at Domino's the other day, and the lady accidentally ate an entire slice of bacon pizza, and she burst into tears. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't just break out in flames. Like right when you even just order like pepperoni at Domino's, like you don't just burst into absolute flames on the spot. It the thing was with the the meat thing, like in Cincinnati, everybody is catholic to the t like literally everybody in the city so like you really can't like you got to kind of go out of your way to get meat especially when you're younger um on friday but now it's like i got to remind myself not to eat meat did i have you know uh, a sausage egg and cheese biscuit this morning that's between me and the the man upstairs but you know you you just got to ask for forgiveness after you have that delicious you know sausage patty I mean, I don't know how vegans do it. Lent season or not, I think I've had meat on a Friday every single Friday since, like, 2009. I just find it hard to believe that God's judgment is on ordering a fish fillet on a Friday instead of a McChicken. It doesn't matter. Well, news news to you, buddy. It does. God's got a, a spreadsheet. Um, he uses Excel, if you didn't know, and he'll have all that stuff, you know, formulate it out for you right when you get to the gates if you know you did that too often that big mac see ya elevator down up houdini look at that the hourglass is running out that means it's time to give up the studio to the inaugural episode of the fish fry report with coach jake broadbeck and bill stanger as they ride around the tri-state of cincinnati to the east side to the west side and review the best fish sandwiches in all of cincinnati Join us next week because we are talking March Madness when our next episode unveils. The brackets will be out as well. Here are sleepers. Who's going all the way? And, of course, our scorching hot takes. Toss us five stars. Subscribe to the podcast. And we will see you, or rather, we will. Um, you'll be hearing us next week. Have a great day.